Well, today we'll finish up chapter 7 as we continue in our Gospel of John series, Believe and Live. Last week, thank you, Pastor Jordan, what a week to preach the feast that you fed us last week. This week we will uh, look back at verse 32 because in that verse relates to today's passage. The priest and the Pharisees sent the temple police to arrest Jesus in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. On that last day of the feast, Pastor Jordan and the Feast of Tabernacles, Pastor Jordan gave us the most vivid description where the priests were marching around the altar in the outer court with golden pitchers of water and there's a crowd following them around praising God that's going to march around seven times and in the middle of that sometimes during that Jesus must have been seated at a place where he could see what was going on a good vantage point and the scripture says he stood and cried out if anyone thirst let him come to me and drink he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This magnificent, this glorious promise was from the lips of the carpenter of Nazareth. But this week, we, it seems like we're leaving the great feast and going into an inner chamber somewhere, maybe a courtroom where the priest and the Pharisees had their, their set up. And all the people that were in this chamber this week in the scriptures were the priests, the Pharisees, and the temple police. There was no Jesus, no disciples. So it's sort of a bland food we'll have today. Last week we feasted, and this week we'll fast. But you know when you fast, you draw near to the Lord. When it's hard to see, you look harder, you go deeper, you grab a hold of him. So Uh, Out of this uh, passage today, I want us to glean, to mine some gold nuggets for our own hearts and souls. So let me pray, and then we'll begin in chapter, in chapter, verse 45. Now, Father, we're ready to open your word here. Father, I humbly ask that you speak to each soul in our assembly out here today. Nobody is exempt. Father, make us, Father, make us, as King David said, make us to hear and rejoice in your message and to receive your message today for our own souls. Lord, that you would be glorified as Christ is exalted during this time. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to hear the word of God, to believe it and to live it as we read John chapter 7, verse 45 through 52. And I read out of the New King James. Hear the word of God. Then the officers came to the chief priest and the Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. 
the Pharisee, then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered him and said, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. The word of the living God. Well, I've titled uh, this message today, uh, The Man and His Words, out of verse 46. <clears throat> but we should always remember, people, always remember that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So God inspired these verses. And it's given to us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So it's going to meet us somewhere today. It's going to meet our heart and soul somewhere today in your life. That's the way God has organized it. Okay, so verse 45 and 46, I broke this down into four little sections. And 45 and 46 are the first. And it says, then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. The priests and Pharisees demanded, they were demanding from these men, these police officers, temple guards that they'd sent out to arrest Jesus. They'd give him all the authority, all the power, and the time, the right time to go out and handcuff him and bring him back in, right? You saw, you, you've seen pictures of men being arrested before, and this is what they were looking for. But when they came back, they were empty-handed. They had not apprehended their suspect that they'd sent out, been sent out to get. And so the priest and them were demanding, why have you not done this? And 46, verse 46 was the guard's answer. They said simply, never had a man spoke like this man. Now listen, folks, the words of Jesus provokes a response. And it did provoke one from the temple uh, guards, the temple police. They seem to be arrested by the words of Christ. So let us hear some of these words from the Gospels to see if we are arrested by them. I have a few, just I got a few examples of here, just a few. Mark 13, 31, Jesus says this, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. His word is imperishable. Luke 4.22, and the people spoke. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they ask? Is this not Joseph's son? Folks, his words were gracious. He speaks grace to us. Listen, listen to him. Mark 1.22, they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes taught. So his words were mighty. They shook the soul. Uh, they opened the eyes. They caused responses from people. They should do that today to you, to me. John 6.63, 63. 
Jesus says the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human efforts accomplish nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So his words are spiritual. In John 6, 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words that are eternal life. So his words are life-giving. They're not death. <clears throat> They're life-giving. John 12, 48, but all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. Folks, his words are the words of judgment. Listen to them. In John 14, 24, if anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. His words are divine words. And his words in John 7, 46, we this, this, this said, never spoke a man like this man. The officers answered him. His words are incomparable. You can't compare them with anything. Well, we'll stop with this last one. It's John 640. Everyone who believes in me may have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Can this Jewish carpenter, this carpenter of Nazareth, can he do this? It's a great promise. It's a great hope if he can do it, right? I know one day I will be dead. If y'all live long enough, you'll be dead also. And there's one day coming that Jesus will speak. He'll call out and raise us up from the grave. I will be raised from the grave. And I will have a body that's incorruptible and undefiable. And he'll put the soul back in me and escort me into heaven. And I will live there for all eternity. Rejoicing in the glories of heaven where there's no sorrow, no heartache, no, no disease, only glory of God in us with him. And I tell you what, if it's possible, if it's possible, I'll run those streets of heaven kicking up gold dust, if it's possible. So watch out. <clears throat> His words paint such beautiful pictures. I mean, you can, your mind can go on and on and your heart can be be raised to different levels of worship and adoration of Christ as you read his words. Let it affect you that way. It's sort of like the Delta Sunsets. I don't know, some of y'all know what Delta Sunsets are and some of you don't, but they're the most beautiful things they are and every one of them's different. They're all inspiring. As you sit and watch the sunset, it affects every light, every aspect of it. Every day is different, never the same. So observe them sometime. They're awe-inspiring. They're amazed. They're the treasure of the Delta. His words are like that. For the words of Christ, he speaks to our hearts. The words of Christ call us to follow him. The words of Christ require a response. And folks, there's no neutral ground. You're either for it or against it. And we're born against it. But listen to it. He wants you to be for it. Listen to the words of God. Are you, his words are to believe and to live. So believe the words of God. So who is this man that spoke these words? All they could see was this carpenter from Nazareth walking around. 
They watched him as he walked on the water and as he fed the multitudes, as he raised the dead. They watched him do these things and they listened to him as he gave these great uh, promises. But remember now, they were just seeing a carpenter from Nazareth. What would you be thinking if that's all you could see? We have the advantage of looking back, right? And, but they, they were in a real-time circumstances with him, so uh, this is who they were talking about. So Jesus tells us, John tells us, I'm so sorry, tells us about this man who spoke these words. John tells us in uh, chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and verse 14, the Word became flesh and lived among us. You know what this means? This means that Jesus has no beginning, Jesus has no end. Jesus is eternal, he's self-existent, he, he's immutable, he don't change. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He is the Messiah promised. He is the prophet sent from heaven. He is the humble servant. He is the great horn of our salvation. He is our redeemer, our reconciler, our righteousness. He is our savior. He is the head of his church. Our only hope is to be in Christ. The only mediator between God and man is Jesus. He's a judge of the living and the dead. He is the king of kings, the king of glory, and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is our true friend. He laid down his life for us. And he is almighty God. So he does. Yes, he does have the authority and the power to accomplish his word and to keep his promises. Oh, if you believe it, live it, folks. Don't let Christ be old hat to you. I come to church on Sunday. I've done my duty. I've read a little bit of scriptures. I've mumbled a few prayers. Don't let it be old hat. You be awed at this man. You be amazed at him. So are you amazed that the Father sent him? Are you astonished that he serves you? Are you awed that he died for you? Are you dazzled that he will come one day and take you into the glories of heaven? Don't let it be old hat. This is new every day. He doesn't change. So the temple police were correct when they heard Jesus speak, weren't they? For they heard God speak. No man ever spoke like this man. What a Savior we have. What a glorious one we can cling to and hope in. Verse 47 through 49 is our next part. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know him, know the law is accursed. <clears throat> now listen, these were the greatest group of religious leaders in the whole world at that time. In that room, there should have been a great prayer meeting going on, but there's no prayer meeting in that room. No seeking the face of God in humility. These Pharisees and these priests were so full of pride and arrogance and contempt toward Jesus that they themselves were the deceived ones. 
for they were all right in the head, but they were all wrong in their heart. Here's a nugget for us. Mind enough, we'll get a nugget or two, right? Here's your nugget. Don't be like these men. Don't be full of pride. And can I give you a short testimony? Uh, I will give you a short testimony, so uh, here it comes. Uh, for years, I was uh, a one who would argue. Any of y'all here that like to argue? You got a point over here, and these people over here have a point over here, and you'll argue those points, and you'll be half right, they'll be half right, but the argument's never settled. People die, and new people rise up to argue the same points. Well, I was that way, whether it was politics or religion. And one day, and, and I'd been saved for, this was 27 years ago, and I'd been saved about 20 years. And this man loved me, knew me. He observed me, <laughs> and so he wanted to help me. So uh, at that time, I didn't, I didn't care much about that they kind of help, but he said, let me help you, Rick. So he told me, he says, he says, when this, this group is arguing this doctrine you're talking about and this group's against it and you for it, or that, that argument's been going on for centuries and hadn't been settled yet, these people die and others raise up. He says, this kind of arguing, this is, there's no unity in it, no unity. And y'all know what I'm talking about because you, you're part of that. Everybody's a part of it until you let the word correct you. And so he says, here's what you do. I want you to, to, to leave your camp A over here and don't argue with camp B anymore. You take your little tent and you go down, you march yourself down to the foot of the cross and you pitch your tent there. That's a nugget for you right there. You pitch your tent there at the foot of the cross and you kneel there and you gaze upon the face of Christ in the scriptures and you see his compassion. You hear his gracious words flowing from his mouth. <clears throat> oh, I can still, thank you. Uh, follow me. <clears throat> and he says, you'll come to know Christ. You'll come to love Christ. You'll want to obey Christ. You'll be full of hope, joy, and peace as you follow Christ from the foot of the cross. There'll be no pride there. It'll be humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is your nugget. Go to the foot of the cross, people. Live your life there. These other guys might come later on or they might die in the arguments. But he told me this. He said, "If you'll be years ahead of some of them dudes. And uh, that wasn't much encouragement. But uh, I took his advice and I praise God for him. And because I love you, I want you to be that way, just like he loved me. I want you to leave those camps and come to the cross. Leave the arguing. Leave your points, your opinions behind. Leave the no unity behind and come. Everybody that's a further crossed is in unity, folks. Well, that's the nugget. So let's go to verse 48 uh, and see what happens. He says, have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed in him? Now, this is a sad statement, isn't it? Uh, 
to believe or not to believe. And the Pharisees and the, and the priests took pride that none of them were yet believing in Jesus Christ. Yet, some probably did later on, but not in this meeting. So what does this mean to believe? Okay, you hear the word, believe, but what does it mean to you? To believe is to be persuaded not to be deceived, but be persuaded that this gospel is true, this gospel is real, it's genuine, and to have faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, to entrust yourself body and soul for all eternity, that's to believe. I ask you, do you believe like this? Do you believe? I love the way Paul puts it in Romans 10, 9 and 10. He says it this way, if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, your heart's gonna show how you live, right? But now your confession, you just don't confess Christ once and then you confess them again at your baptism, like we do here. But you need to keep on confessing, keep on telling. Husbands, how many of you confessed to your wife this week that you were born again, that you believe in Christ, that you're saved and he's your Lord and Savior? Any husbands told their wife that this week? Gracious. Okay, there's something for you to do, isn't it? Uh, wives, how many, of me, how many of you told your husband that, man, bless the Lord Jesus Christ has saved me. He's my Lord and my Savior. How many of you children that are Christians have told your mom and dad? Or how many of the parents have told their children? Or your banker or your uh, uh, person at the post office or the people at the, at the drugstore, at the grocery store? You need to be confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Jesus has saved you. And you know what that will do for you? The same thing that's done for me. It has opened the path to joy and peace. It mows down the doubt that rises so easily. It gives more confidence, inner confidence in God. So the nugget is confess. Keep on confessing. Keep on confessing. Wives, tell your children. Mothers, tell your children. Wives, tell your husbands. Husbands, tell your wife. Tell your school teacher. Jesus, save me. Confess it with your mouth. You hear me? Don't be ashamed of Christ. Speak up. Speak up. Bless him. You'll be blessed if you do. Well, in verse 49, uh, <clears throat> the Pharisee said, but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Well, the priest and the Pharisees have set themselves on a higher status uh, than anybody else in the country. And so in pride and arrogance, they look down on the crowds, calling them cursed of God. Why? Because they had not studied the law and were being deceived by this carpenter of Nazareth. 
But you know, folks, again, you can be all right in your head about who they are, but you can be all wrong in your heart about how you respond to them. Think about that. Think about it. They was choosing their status in the community over the Messiah, temporary over eternal. Don't be caught up into that. So how did Jesus live? He demonstrates his life for us. He said, I come to serve, not to be served. I've come to do that for you. And he's serving us today. And with his word, he's calling you either out of sickness, out of your sin sickness to follow him, or he's calling you to come and follow him as a disciple and to serve others, to be humble, to be like him. He's... He's also today in heaven saving us to the uttermost. And that can be expounded on one day by one of these other pastors. But that's a great thing he's doing right now. He's serving us right now, this very second, for those who are in Christ. He's interceding for us. Well, that gets us down to 50 and 51. But we're trying to knock some rocks out of the way and get down into the gold. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? Well, the answer is no. The law that they should be abiding by does not judge a man without a fair hearing. But, and that was uh, loosely translated out of uh, Deuteronomy 1, 16, in 17, I have to have that marked right here. So this is what they were saying over there. It says, then I commanded your judges at that time saying, hear the cases between your brother and judge righteously between a man and his brother or a stranger who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. And you shall not be afraid in any man's presence for the judgment is God's. So this was what Nicodemus, being one of them, was reminding his guys that uh, they, being men of uh, the law of God, they should be able to judge without partiality, not with prejudice, not with prejudging. We are guilty of that so often, aren't we? We judge so quickly. I mean, we think we're right, so we make the judgment. And Jesus, uh, the, 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 he's not in there. The, these uh, Nicodemus was telling these other Pharisees and, judge, and priests, don't be prejudiced when you judge. Our law tells us not to be. But they were in their hostility and contempt toward Jesus. They were prejudiced. They were very prejudiced. And folks, this is who we don't want to be. This is another nugget. Don't be prejudiced. Don't be prejudging. Hear someone. Listen to them. Talk to them. And then he says you can judge without partiality. So this is a nugget. This is who we don't want to be. We don't want to prejudge others. We can be all right in our head about who they are and all wrong in our heart how we'll respond. So your head and heart can get things mixed up, can't it? Don't let your head rule. Go with your heart. 
Go with your heart if it's in Christ. Well, they call us Christians. They first called us Christians at Antioch. Why did they do that? I often people are talk to me. I have meet a lot of folks there in the little store, and I'll say, who should a Christian look like? Who, what should he talk like? What should he act like? And they'll look at me. Say, Christ. That's a good answer. That's, who we, that's why they called them Christians first at Antioch. Christians are to become. Christians are to be like Jesus Christ. But these Pharisees and these priests, they were full of pride and prejudice. And so they were not being who they're supposed to be. To them, all Galileans were third-class citizens. They were despised, mocked, scoffed. They were held in low esteem. And they were wrong in their pride. They were very wrong in their pride. So don't be like these men. Don't be wrong like that. Don't be full of prejudice. Our hearts should have no room for prejudice. Our minds should be stayed on Christ that we wouldn't be trying to follow what the world is, is feeding us. Especially in this day, with your Google stuff and all this, you can find out way too much stuff to know anything about it, to judge anything about it. Uh, so let's look at our last verse then. They answered Nicodemus, they answered him. They said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look. For no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Remember? The priests and Pharisees, they, they were too prejudiced toward the Galileans because they were unlearned people, so they were third class to them. They, they mocked them, they scoffed at them, and held them in low esteem. But Nicodemus told them, they, they told Nicodemus, search the scriptures. Well, that is good advice from such poor examples, isn't it? But in the scriptures, uh, if you search them, there are two prophets at least that come out of Galilee, Jonah and Nahum. But I searched the scriptures a little farther for myself when they started talking about this. And I landed down in Isaiah 9, and I'll read some of that to us because this is, this is a, a great passage Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he light, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterwards more heavenly oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Verse 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David, and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with just judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 
So this light that comes out of Galilee is no other than the, the carpenter of Nazareth, Jesus, who will be called Christ, Jesus Christ. And in uh, <clears throat> John 1 again, he tells us that this is this, that this light he tells us this light, about this light. He said, uh, in him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, that's John the Baptist, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And then just a few pages over beyond our today's passage in, in chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus gives his uh, second self-description of himself. He says, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light. We're in darkness. He pours his light upon us. Why? So we can see and get out of the darkness into the light. And I got news for you. There's a second, there's a second chapter to him being the light. He's also the light of heaven. So you got the light of the world and the light of heaven. That light is going all around the world as we speak the gospel and preach the gospel to people and live the gospel to people. And that light will be the light of heaven for all, all eternity. So here he is coming out of Galilee. This Jesus, folks, this Jesus to be, is to be highly esteemed, not lowly esteemed, highly esteemed. Do you highly esteem him? He's to be treasured above all else. Do you really treasure Christ above all else? Do you? He's to have first place, preeminence, in your life, have you given him that place in your life? Or are you just treating him as old hat? Yeah, I know this, I know this. Or is it real in you? Does it affect your heart? Your heart will affect your mind. Is it real in you? Don't play with him, folks. Don't try him out. He is immutable. This Christ doesn't change. He doesn't lie. He is who he is. And we are to look upon him and to be conformed to his likeness. We are to be changed. He changes not. We are to be changed in his likeness as we gaze upon him. Christians should and can look and act like Jesus who were first called Christians at Antioch. Well, this was a, a fast, a feast, a fast from the feast that we had last week. And uh, we did get some nuggets from this. And here is a list of these nuggets. So I guess uh, you could call them applications if you want to, but I like to call them nuggets you're apt to not lose a nugget of gold, right? Applications, they fall all over the place. But here's you some nuggets that you should not lose. You hear me? 
Leave your prejudices. Leave them. And pitch your tent at the foot of the cross and fix your gaze upon Christ. This will settle all your problems. You'll still have problems. You'll still have aggravations. You'll still have all this stuff. But you'll be in the midst of peace and joy and comfort when you hold on to this Christ like that. Oh, he wants you to get close to him. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to lay your head as it is upon his breast as John did and listen to him, talk with him, fellowship with him. Oh, love him more and more. What love he has for you, he wants you, he desires you to be close to him. And be a people of the word of God. You search the scriptures and you do it to seek God and you do it to hear from God. You don't do it for points, though you might pick up a few points. But if your points are not leading you to seek him and to love him and to hear him, and then you respond to the word of God, you believe it and live it. And you'll be well-pleasing to the Lord if that's your aim. Well, Father, we've opened your word. We've gathered some nuggets from our fast here in these scriptures. And, Lord, we ask you to change our hearts. Lord, our minds are full, but we want you to change our hearts to be like Christ. No more prejudices. No more self, my way is right, your way is wrong more of at the foot of the cross looking up on the face of your beloved son Jesus Christ so Lord change us with your might change us Holy Spirit conform us that you would be well pleased with us and you would be glorified in this community because of Christ in us our only hope of glory and it's his blessed name we pray amen